The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Greetings, geeks, and welcome to Wizards, the podcast guide to comics mini episode 25.5. I'm Michael, and let's get into it. First thing we're going to dive into is the amazing art section. see how many of these characters I actually know and how many of them I don't know. So the first one comes to us from Garrett Miller from Oakland, California, and he is the winner of the Silver Foil Wizard 25. Okay, cool. So you're winning a copy of the issue that you're featured in. Okay, sure. Great. Sounds about right. And this is a wizard watching pages fly away sitting in a chair kind of solemnly with a small witch-like woman sitting next to him. And uh, it's interesting. It's a cool little art. It's different. I've never seen anything like this per se. It's kind of a depressing wizard. The next one comes to us from Aston Roy from Plantington, Florida. And this is of Bloodshot. It looks like he's killing all the X-Men. <laughs> That's kind of what it looks like. He looks like he's shooting up a bunch of X-Men. And it says, I want to see Garab Seamus now. Uh-oh. What what happened, Mr. Seamus? You know, did somebody piss off Bloodshot or, or, or Valiant to, to cause him to come after you? I'm, I'm curious. And this is the winner of the Valiant Gold Eternal Warrior number one, which... As I've said in the past, they must have about 4 million copies of this thing that they can't get rid of. It's ridiculous. The next one comes from Tim Skipper from Frostproof, Florida. Who names these towns? Frostproof, Florida? Are you serious? That's so weird. What a bizarre name for a town. Oh, Florida. And this is the winner of the Gold Venom number one. And it is an excellently drawn storm and instead of her cape being her traditional cape it's the wizard cloak as her cape which is very very cool and this is an awesome piece of art it's really well done it's very impressive the next one we have is from chris eddie from ankeny indiana and it is grifter and this other female character from image who i think is another one of the wildcats um she wears the red costume, and he's calling her his little sister. I guess it is his little sister, I guess. Okay. She's making a joke. She says, need some help, brother grifter. And then he says, sit on it, little sister. And this is the winner of the gold foil brigade number one, another issue that they cannot get rid of at Wizard. The next one we have is by Ken Hacer from Dorothy, New Jersey. And it is of Etrigan, 
and it's really really cool. It's, he's kind of like engulfed in flames. He's got you know, this really interestingly drawn. He's got a kind of a almost like a pig-like face in a way, or like a cow's-like face. It's interesting. And this is the winner of DC's Platinum Superman number 75. Another one they've had a couple copies of that as well. Now we have Daryl Basham from Corinsville, Kentucky. And I don't know what this character is. He's a guy holding a sword. Kind of looks like Conan the Barbarian, but with a very large chest. So the next one we've got is by Joe Cavallini from Springfield, Maine. And it is of Deadpool. I guess he's killing Cable because it's like a mechanical arm. It's kind of hanging to the wall. And Deadpool's holding a giant gun. It's got a small head for Deadpool, but overall pretty good. The next one we have is a, is a team. Brian Woodbury and Dimitri... Zaharis from Plymouth, Massachusetts, and it is of Sabretooth and Wolverine duking it out. And Wolverine's clothes are like completely ripped in half, so half his face is exposed and half of his costume of his cowl is still on his head. It's kind of hard to figure out how that would actually stay like that, but it's cool looking. So I'll give it to him. The next one we have is by Rusty Johnson. I'm not making this up, guys. Name is Rusty Johnson. Yep. From Claremont, California. And he is drawing, I don't know what this devil-like character is. This weird-looking character monster. Yeah, I don't know who this character is. But he's basically impaled the wizard and ripped his head off, essentially. And, uh, yeah, he, it's kind of scary-looking. But I don't know who this character is. He's got a red cowl and a red cloak and a black body. I'm not really sure. The next one is by Todd Walrath from Rochester, New York, and it is Wolverine battling, I guess it's Galactus. It kind of could be also a Sentinel, but I think it's Galactus because it's got a mouth with teeth, so that's what I'm, I'm going with. Next one we have is Justin Weiss from Wesley, Arizona, and this is definitely an image character I've seen before. It's that guy that kind of looks like Wolverine meets Batman meets... I don't know what he looks like, but he's kind of a monster of some sort with claws and a lot of metal over his body. It's interesting. He's ripped some guy's arm off and blood all over the place. And yeah, I don't know these image characters. I don't know them. The next one we have is from a, a person named Kristen Perry from Perrysburg, Ohio. So Kristen, the last name is Perry, grew up in Perrysburg. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. That's funny. It just makes me laugh. And it is of the Ninja Turtles, and it's Leonardo. He slashes through the wizard and writes Leonardo over it, and it looks like he's killed the wizard um, of some sort. I didn't know that the Ninja Turtles kill, but this version of Leonardo did, and says, Wizzy, this is my book now, and it's just like a dead, impaled wizard adjacent to Leonardo. That's pretty funny. The next one is by, wow, <laughs> they can't be making, these names got to be made up. Taylor Maid, yep, this guy's name is Taylor Maid, okay, uh, from Parts Unknown. <laughs> oh, this is, these got to be made up, they can't be for real. Oh man, they must be sending in fake names, I feel like. It seems pretty hard to believe. And it is Venom 
ripping Spider-Man in half, and he's just kind of bleeding out and dead. And uh, fans out outraged as Venom finally kills Spidey, and it's just like a sadistic-looking Venom with a wizard hat and a deceased, bloody Spider-Man. Wow, it's crazy. And the last one for the amazing art section we have is from Eric Tan from San Diego, California, and it is some sort of omniscient being kind of silhouetted in purplish with red lines over his eyes and blood in his hands reading a wizard magazine somewhere out in space i don't know who this character is either can't tell you i wouldn't know but that is the amazing art section for issue 25 of wizard magazine Yeah, it's that time for Hunkin' Babe of the Month. Unlike Michael, I have no shame. So you'll hear me squirming. This special silver anniversary issue of Hunkin' Babe is in fact appropriately themed. Our hunk this month is none other than Norrin Rad, the Silver Surfer. Ooh, he's smooth. If I wasn't so infatuated with his gleaming physique, I'd want to use him as my mirror. Sure do wish he would show me his power cosmic, and his voice is so serious. All he has to say is, To me, my board. And heck, if the board doesn't return, I'll gladly go to him. What better way to get around the spaceways? As long as he doesn't have a surfer's mentality, I'll ride waves with him anytime. And our babe this month is none other than Marvel's bounty hunter, Silver Sable. Man, and I'd like to hire her sometime. Uh, for an adventure together, that is. As ruler of Simcaria, she could lead me around any day of the week. I mean, she's rich, beautiful, and she carries a gun. Can't think of a better way to get my attention, and she'd get plenty of it from me. If she's a member of the Wild Pack, I wonder what she does for kicks. Kicking butt, probably. Mine needs some kicking right about now. Yikes! Getting a little kinky there, wizard. Okay, so I said I wasn't going to squirm. It doesn't mean I'm not going to point out the stuff that's a little shaky uh, when you think about it. But yeah, our hunkin' babe of the month, keeping that silver thing going for the 25th anniversary. And uh, hey, back to you, Michael. Next, we're going to dive into my kind of hero. So my kind of hero, we have three new heroes. The first one's name is Suicide, and he kind of looks like a Deadpool spawn. There was a big trend in that time period of copying kind of Venom-looking characters. And this is um, by a guy named Calvin Armstrong from New York. And the secret identity of this character is unknown. Current occupation, unknown. Legal status, unknown. Marital status, unknown. Base of operations. It says New Orleans, formerly New York. 
height 6'3", weight unknown, eyes unknown, hair unknown, even though he's got a black ponytail. So, okay, hair unknown. All right, fine. So, his powers. Suicide possesses a super healing factor that makes him virtually impossible to kill. It has been learned if his head gets decapitated, it takes him longer to heal. If his head gets decapitated, but he's almost impossible to kill, it doesn't make any sense creator i'm sorry to tell you and he will only remain dead until the resurrection what uh which takes place to fully heal suicide he's a master of hand-to-hand combat yada 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 okay it doesn't make any sense all right whatever so his origin sentenced to die and desperate a prisoner found himself visited by the demon strike demon strike promised uh, the doomed inmate immortality beyond his dreams if he would agree to a simple thing, swearing eternal servitude to demon strike. From that pact, uh, the assassin suicide was born, and he is demon strike's faithful mercenary. Okay, so the next one we have is Black Viper. And again, it's got like the razor claws. Like it's a, you know, very interesting looking violent looking character with a lot of claws and blood and violence and metal and very 90s and this is by wilfredo tan from the philippines this character's name is william grant he's a crime fighter he's a u.s citizen with no criminal record his marital status is single base of operations is mobile his height is 6'5 his weight is 260 eyes are blue hair is blonde Black Viper has an unknown superhuman ability, which means you couldn't think of something. Okay, cool. No problem. He employs a special outfit that allows him to lift up to 20 tons and become virtually invulnerable. He is an excellent hand-to-hand combatant, and he is trained in many types of martial arts. Okay, 20 tons. 20 tons is pretty heavy. I'm sorry. That is pretty, pretty heavy. Okay, so his origin, foreseeing the eventuality of a world being overrun by super-powered villains, William Grant spent um, the better part of his life preparing for the worst. After years of school, Grant began building his special costume to counter any super-powered villains, which, as he has predicted, were becoming more and more prevalent in the world. When finished, With his costume's construction, Grant took on the name of Black Viper and declared war on all super-powered criminals. Okay, sure, cool. The last one is Shadow Fist, which this character, she kind of looks like Psylocke and Elektra. It's drawn in just pencil sketches, which looks really cool. There's no real colorization to it. She's got some sort of flaming hand and a sword, so it's it's very, very Psylocke-esque. All right, so let's figure out who this person is and what they're all about. So this was created by Aneth Lagomo from Hawaii. Oh, cool. And uh, the secret identity of this character is Reiki Mailing Takanda. Yeah. Uh, current occupation, warrior, a protector of the earth. Legal status unknown, marital status single, mobile base, height 5'3", weight 97 pounds. That's pretty light. <laughs> 97 pounds is pretty light. Eye color is sky blue. Hair color is also sky blue. Group affiliations, the shadow souls. Interesting. Okay, so shadow fist's powers are 
So she has two basic powers. One power is the ability to read minds with her tele- telepathy. Okay, so she's Psylocke. Um, and uh, the other power allows her to combine her body heat and the air moisture to create her water fire, which is a blue flame as opposed to a purple flame, under her complete control. Okay, cool. So her weapons and paraphernalia, Shadow Fist uses two katana blades that were inherited from her parents. The blades are sheathed with two steel gauntlets for easy access. Okay. And her origin. In the not-so-distant future, the world was on the brink of annihilation by nuclear war. An evil faction known as Impact dominated the world. Reiki Mei-Ling Tahandi, then a teen, she was captured from her underground shelter by the evil faction and was forced to live in the Steel Dome with eight others like her. After four years of confinement, she joined forces with the others to destroy the dome and oppose impact as a team called the Shadow Souls. Okay, cool. And that is my kind of hero. Greetings, geeks. Adam here, calling in on the 2099 Hotline. This is the segment where I take you through Marvel's World of Tomorrow. And this time around, we are going to be discussing X-Men 2099. Oh yes. Now this is interesting because this was the first new book of the 2099 line, if you don't count 2099 Unlimited, which was an anthology. This is the first ongoing series. And it is written by John Francis Moore, who up to this point had been writing Doom 2099. So now he's doing double duty in that universe. And the art is by Ron Lim. So now you have a big time Marvel artist who had been working on Silver Surfer most famously. And he is drawing a 2099 title. So they certainly were bringing some prestige to this book. And of course, anything X-Men at this time in 1993 is going to get a lot of hype around it. So how did these X-Men stack up? Well, it's kind of an interesting thing. For me personally, I bought the first three issues as a kid and really didn't get into the world any more than I did the normal X-Men books. I will say specifically for me, I didn't find any of these characters to be distinctive. They didn't stand out to me in any way from costuming to powers and so on. And so I didn't hang my hat on them to say, oh, this is a great new creation. So I was excited to go back and take a look now with new fresh eyes all these years later and rediscover the X-Men 2099. So let's get into it. Now to kick off the story, we find out that in the Nevada desert, there's this compound where mutants have gathered and there is a mutant who was given some instruction to find this place and it is there that he enters and finds all these mutants and other types of outcasts from the 2099 universe. We only know him at this time by the name of Tim and he meets up with a guy named Junkpile who yeah, basically just looks 
looks like he's put together with pieces of metal. He's kind of a tough guy that threatens him. There is a really nice younger mutant. Her name is Tina, which is short for Serpentina, because her arms can stretch out like snakes. Then she shows him that there is a DJ, essentially, who goes by the name of Metalhead, or Eddie, because he can actually change his body, much like Colossus, into any metal that he touches. And specifically, at one point, he has an adamantium transformation. I was like, where'd he get adamantium? Is that still around in 2099? Is it more abundant than it was previously? So there's also a gal in the mix who doesn't really stand out a whole lot to me. Her name is Shakti, and she seems to be some sort of Jean Grey, if you will. She's like a telepathic, telekinetic, could basically do whatever they need in the moment to disable people also on this team because yes it just keeps going it's an x book there's a guy named mean streak and if you need a visual on mean streak just take gambit mix him with the flash and you've got mean streak yeah he's a speedster that's what he's got going for him now at this gathering there is kind of the head mutant of it all and his name is cheyenne i guess is what i'll say it's X-I apostrophe A-N. So there's your X-Men, right? Cheyenne is basically the leader of, I don't want to call it a cult, but a movement among these mutants, young and old, mostly young. And he is trying to get them to respect themselves, to rise up, to not allow themselves to be considered the dregs of society. And meanwhile, we see that Cheyenne has a beef with the head of the Nevada Syndicate kit which is basically like the mob bosses or whoever owns las vegas in 2099 guy named singe and he has two children who are basically like trust fund babies they've just had all this money from their dad they've just goofed around one of them's addicted to drugs and the other one just parties all the time and they're just bickering siblings but basically cheyenne not super clear i guess he's just mad that singe will attack mutant if they cause problems in Vegas. So he threatens him and says, you know, my mutant power is that I can disintegrate or destroy anything I touch. You know, be lucky I don't use it on you. And also, finally, we see an example of what Singe is up to with Bloodhawk. Bloodhawk was the guy they were really, really, really trying to push as like the hot new Wolverine character for 2099. He's basically a dragon man. He's red, he has claws, he has wings, and here he has been captured by Singe's group, and in a game show style presentation they are doing a slot machine style decision on how he will be executed. And the X-Men are basically there to help him escape among other things. And they do release him and in the mix also as they're infiltrating all these things we find out that Singe has been murdered at least his kids find out he's been murdered and it looks like he's been disintegrated by the hand of Cheyenne so now they are suspect number one and meanwhile they're back at their gathering place before word gets out about the bounty on their heads and Cheyenne is giving this inspirational speech as this prophet this spiritual leader of mutant 
and there is an assassination attempt where this newcomer, yes, this guy named Tim, who eventually gets the codename of Skullfire, but at this point, we don't really know 100% what his powers are, and it seems like neither does he, but in the moment that he sees the sniper aiming at Cheyenne, he freaks out and his powers activate and he blasts the guy and Cheyenne doesn't get killed, but he seems to be mortally wounded. And that's really the end of issue number one. Issue number two is just them getting word that there's a bounty on their heads and it turns out that Junk Pile, who they thought was one of their own, actually betrayed them to Singe and the Syndicate. So now he is a traitor, giving the bad guys all the details they need to know on the X-Men, and he himself says, well, I'll go and take care of them too. He just wants that money, wants that bounty. And so, at this point Cheyenne is mortally wounded as we said they've got like an ambulance or a truck or something they're taking him around in but he starts developing this metal plated shell that's growing over his body and everybody's like what is happening until it ultimately consumes him entirely it covers his whole body it should be mentioned also that Bloodhawk despite the fact that they saved him and rescued him from execution he says he's a loner so he is not necessarily part of the team he isn't willingly there to go along with them or their cause he just says i'm here to destroy the syndicate and all the stuff they do to poison the land with their toxic waste and other things like that this second issue like i say is mostly them on the run but then they are introduced to a group of thugs that work for singe called the rat pack uh I mean, you had to stick with Vegas. I understand. But they're just a bunch of different sized guys that have guns and sort of some random powers here and there. They were not very memorable at all for like the first matchup for the X-Men. But I guess, you know, that's kind of how it goes. I think their original villain in their first issues weren't that great. It took a few until we got Magneto and the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Now, issue three, the cover statement is one of the x-men 2099 will die can you guess who it is mean streak and metalhead got captured and so now the rest of the team is there to break them out of this these vials of goo ooze that not only uh, keep them in stasis but seem to cancel out their powers i guess in case they woke up i forgot to mention there is actually one more member of the team these mutants are everywhere whether it's modern day or 2099 there is a gal named crystalline and her power is that she can actually create crystal shards out of her body she can shoot them she can make knives whatever she needs to do a shield she can trap somebody it's a pretty cool power i'd say but she was hiding out in the casino and she was spying on singe's son and there we see him reveal to himself talking out loud that he was actually the one that killed his father because his father was just terrible to him all the time and he was so glad he could frame the mutants for this so she pops out of an air duct and she basically says you're gonna admit to the world that you set up cheyenne and all this stuff wouldn't you know it the rest of the team also runs into the rat pack again i don't know why two times in a row we are facing the same villains but apparently they didn't have a lot of ideas at the top here and so you have tim eventually Skullfire. he freaks out again and he blasts them and so the team gets free he He's kind of their uh, ace of the hole. Then Junk Pile shows up. 
He gets into the fray and he smashes Serpentina against the wall and kills her, which sets off Tim because he says, she was my only friend, you killed her, you know? And so he runs at Junkpile who knocks him out a window. He's about to die. But wouldn't you know it, Bloodhawk shows up. He saves Tim. He goes and he battles Junkpile who breaks his wing. But ultimately, Cheyenne saves the day when he emerges from his cocoon and uses his power to dissolve any substance or metal and basically dissolves Junkpile. He says he will be back and he will put himself together. But in the meantime, speaking of putting things back together, Cheyenne has developed now a new power. He had one hand that destroyed. Now his mutation is continuing. He has a hand that can heal. And he says... Since childhood, I have lived with one hand whose touch brought chaos and destruction. Now a balance has been struck, and the other hand offers redemption. So he heals Bloodhawk's wing, and now everybody is a team, and you see them in a heroic pose that they are the X-Men, as Cheyenne tells them that that will be their legacy. And we get a little preview of what's to come, that there seems to be a group that is referred to themselves as the theater and they are torturing mutants for pleasure, for excitement. Will we find out? We will because in X-Men number four, introducing the theater of pain on the cover, now we see that this group has sent out a woman who at this point we know by the name of Luna, who is all white, you know, white hair, white skin. She's super buff, looks like a bodybuilder. And she actually manages to take out Bloodhawk. I mean, he's been the super tough guy, but she seems to somehow incite painful memories in people. And then she can feed off that is her power. Anyway, Skullfire still doesn't have that name yet. He's still Tim, but he's got a costume made of unstable molecules. So apparently Reed Richards' creation continues on in 2099. Also, Mean Streak, we have a section here that is tying him to a gentleman that is a friend of his from school, he says, called Jordan Boone, who you might recall from our previous discussion in Ravage was a guy that the expert 2099 showed up demanding that Ravage help them find Jordan Boone. We didn't know who that was. Now we do. He is somebody who is inside Alchemex trying to tip off the X-Men that they are up to no good with this Valhalla project. Meanwhile, we also see that Bloodhawk is captured. Luna is going back and we're getting a little bit of his origin story. And we see that he was in some sort of lab where he was experimented on and tortured and he is not happy. And he finally, we see the moment where he looked in a mirror and saw how they had mutated him. And no, you know, you got to have the no. Meanwhile, we get to the big bad here, which is a guy who calls himself controller 13 and they are these big tall skinny characters he's not the only one with gold faceless masks and they basically explain that their work is to find pain and exploit it for the pleasure of a certain network of people that like watching that it's a kind of a weird organization they have here then we have luna is there and we see that she's actually under the control 
of Controller 13. Imagine that. And he explains that her full name is Lunatica, like a lunatic, Lunatica. And she explains that she wants to be let free, but he says that she's not going anywhere. She has to find Bloodhawk's companions. Mean Streak has run off now, literally, to hitch a ride at a truck stop to find his pal Jordan Boone, who has now gone missing. And so... We have Crystalline and Tim showing up to help, but wouldn't you know it, Lunatica traps uh, tracks them down as well, and now they've been captured because the X-Men, what's a book here without them being captured again? They are in a place called The Dark Room, so... Luna actually makes Tim remember his origin story, which is kind of similar to Rogue's in a lot of ways, where he says, my body feels like a reactor, mouth tastes like battery acid. And then he's got this woman who obviously seems to be a girlfriend, and he has a blast of energy that shoots out of him and disintegrates her. He's like, Reiko, Reiko is her name. Lord, it's my fault. And so he starts freaking out again in real time now, another energy blast and they're free because whenever the x-men 2099 want to get free then we just get Skullfire to freak out and he will blow a hole through all the bad guys uh controller 13 makes his way out of there and takes off lunatica battles him because she finally has her control necklace broken so she's no longer under his control she bashes him makes him remember all his past sins or whatever it is she does he claims that he has severed his nerves so he can't feel any joy or pain anymore he says you can't hurt me lunatica i feel no pain your nerves may be dead on the outside but i can get to your inside controller 13 Ah! screams in agony so now the x-men 2099 face lunatica and they basically understand okay she wasn't in control she didn't have to do it but they also say crystalline says you can't just kidnap us play with our minds and then expect us to leave as if nothing happened you have a lot to answer for sister to which lunatica responds i'm a predator i do not apologize for my actions so they decide that they will just take off and whatever she could do what she wants to do but they'll meet again and then we get a final page which is the lead-in to the fall of the hammer storyline which is the next issue and it's basically just this shadowy figure that looks like a werewolf that then evolves into a character in metal armor that has like these big spiky head pieces coming off him we don't know who it is but he just says Oh, but the Allfather's prodigal could not return alone, not without his half-brother, the trickster, at his side. I have been waiting for this moment a very long time. What a glorious game this will be. So it does appear that this is Loki, 2099, is going to be a part of the Fall the Hammer storyline of the crossover that is to come. So, there you have it. X-Men 2099. Did I like it? I kind of found it a bit repetitive. John Francis Moore kept things fresh over in Doom 2099, but I'm really not sure what he had in terms of guidelines for what he had to do with the X-Men. It's kind of the same reason I don't jump into the X-Books all that often. Too many characters, not enough for cool that I want to keep reading about them, and otherwise they're just squabbling, they're getting captured, they're meeting other groups that 
battle them. Uh, I don't know, just over and over again, more and more of the same. So hopefully this book evolves because I know it goes on for quite a while. Maybe we'll see more to come. But until next time, see you in the future. Well, as we mentioned, in, or at least as I mentioned in the last episode, instead of me fumbling my way through quizzes, I figured we'd open it up to you guys and help me out and see how well we would do without cheating by using Google. So, for those of you who didn't see it on Twitter or on Instagram, the grand prize is a really, really long grand prize. Hold on to your hats, comic book fans. Wizard is giving away a mighty cool prize in this silver anniversary issue. If you manage to complete the contest over there on the right, and you are lucky enough to be picked as the grand prize winner, you're walking away with 25th anniversary issues of the top 25 characters in comics today. Exactly what books are we talking about? Well, there's Aquaman number 30, Avengers 295, Batman 172, Tales of Suspense 75, which is Captain America, Daredevil 265, Strange Tales number 16, which is Doctor Strange, Fantastic Four 296, The Flash 150, Justice League of America 45, which is the Green Arrow apparently, Green Lantern 38, Hawkman number 5, Hulk 343, Iron Man 282, Justice League of America 234, Legion of Superheroes 298, Detective Comics 338, Silver Surfer 47, Amazing Spider-Man 291, Fantastic Four 33, Appearance of Submariner, Superman 162, Teen Titans 57, Thor 382, Wonder Woman 167, and finally, Uncanny X-Men 233. Wow. That is the first grand prize I've actually been impressed by in this in this magazine after 25 of these quizzes. The first prize is a huge, huge drop-off. Huge drop-off. A special limited edition print of the cover of Wizard 25 comes framed as well as signed and numbered by artist Jim Lee. Cool, very cool, but a huge drop-off from all those comics that I just named. Second prize, a copy of Batman 500, autographed by Joe Quesada, or a copy of Silver Surfer 50, autographed by Ron Lim, both shipped in protective ProGuard holders with wizard seals of authenticity. Your choice. And third prize... A copy of Amazing Spider-Man 375 autographed by Mark Bagley or a copy of Magnus Robot Fighter 25 autographed by artist Bob Layton. Shipped in protective cases, your choice. Wow. Okay. So that was a pretty pretty decent prize pack there, at least for the grand prize if you can get this sucker. So let's see what people had to say or we had a couple people write in answers for this quiz. The first thing I'm going to go through is I'll go through the questions and we'll see what we got. So question number one says crossbow. And even I know this one based on the spacing, it's Huntress. And we've got Nerd Jam Room. 
He got that one for sure. Yep. And, okay, let's see what the next answer is. Wrecking Ball. Nerd GM Room didn't know. He wrote, uh, he doesn't know what that is. I don't know what that is. We don't really know. Okay, so question number two is unknown to this day. Ooh, interesting. Question number three, Umbrella. Hey, I could have got that one. It's Penguin. And Nerd Jam Room got Penguin. All right. This next one, question number four, Battle Staves. So Nerd Jam Room wrote Mockingbird. And I think that's right because I don't know what Battle Staves means. <laughs> what that means okay so i'm gonna give it the nerd jam room on that one good on you and number five it says shotgun and nerd jam room doesn't know i don't know either so we both don't know number five number six says crowbar first word is three letters the second word is seven letters yeah i don't know what crowbar means but nerd jam room says it's the wrecker I don't even know who the Wrecker is. So if someone could tell me who that is, that would be cool because I don't know who that character is. Great. Okay. So now the number seven says Axe, and it's four letters. I would have guessed Thor. Nerd Jam Room says Thor. He had an axe. Probably, right? But it's probably wrong. I think it's Thor. I can't think of anybody else that has four letters that has an axe. I mean... Didn't at some point Hulk have an axe? But that was like on World War Hulk or something like that. But that's way, way longer after this. So, yeah. So, I'm going to go with Thor. Nerd Jam Room, I'm sticking with you. Number eight says Whip. Okay. I'm going to say Catwoman because how many other characters have a whip and have exactly the amount of letters needed? And he wrote Whiplash. Is it eight letters? It's eight. No, Catwoman's eight also. Oh, interesting. So we have a trade-off here, Nerd Jam Room. So you wrote Whiplash, and I wrote Catwoman. Or I'm saying Catwoman. So I wonder which is the right answer. We'll agree to disagree on this one, my friend. (laughs) Okay. Now, number nine, Throwing Diamond. What? And he wrote Diamondback. Throwing Diamond? Does Diamondback throw diamonds? I thought he was just strong. All right, well... I'm going to go with you and say Diamondback because I don't know what that means otherwise. So, yeah, let's let's go with Diamondback. Great. Cool. Fantastic. Now, the last one says chain, and it is two words, five words, in the, five letters in the first word, five letters in the second word. So, I would guess Ghost Rider, and he, too, would guess Ghost Rider. We got, collectively, at least eight out of ten. Either the only discrepancy here is number eight. I don't know what the record is, so I was out on that one. And I didn't know Mockingbird with the battle stave or whatever that's called. But overall, that was pretty good. I mean, I don't know if I would have won this contest, especially pre-Google. And I didn't cheat at this at all. But that is our quiz for issue number 25. Speaking of contests, Michael, it's time to announce the winners of our Wizards 25 giveaway from last episode. This was just for those who listened to our one-year anniversary show and reached out to us on social media, sharing a photo of themselves with a copy of Wizard or their favorite 90s comic using hashtag Wizards25. We announced that there would be just five winners, but we decided that we appreciate your support so much that everyone who entered is going to receive a 90s comics prize pack, which will contain two vintage 90s comics, an unopened pack of 90s comic book trading cards, a limited edition holiday 
Holominium Wizards, the Podcast Guide to Comics sticker, a superhero Lego minifigure, and we also threw in an extra special trading card that was packed in with an issue of Wizard or a hologram from another series. Thanks again for supporting the show, and here are your winners... At Fidgetude, at Mazer375, at Seamork26, at 50 Cent Comic Collector, at Beatles Toy Box, at Revenger Lamar, and at Nerd Jam Room. Thanks so much for supporting the show. And now, Michael, back to you. Now I wanted to dive into something else and talk to you guys about what I'm reading currently. So I've been working my way through DC Comics Dark Knight Death Metal. And it's okay. I mean, it's not as good as I had hoped. It's a lot of books, though. Like, it's just, you know, they, they position this story as a Wonder Woman book written by Scott Snyder and drawn by Greg Capullo. But it's mostly a Batman story, again, which is fine, cool, whatever. But you would have hoped that you could just stick with the, you know, seven main issues of the story and just go with that. But there's so many tie-ins that it's just kind of hard to keep track because there's a lot of different tie-ins and they're all really, really long and they're kind of expensive too. I'm, I'm hoping that it really pans out well and gives us some sort of better reality in this new frontier or whatever they're going towards or they're changing it to the the infinite frontier that they're calling it they're leaving the rebirth continuity and going into this infinite frontier storyline as well as this like future state storyline i'm not really sure where it's going and i'm still a little bit behind because there's again there's so many issues and it's hard to keep up but it, overall, I mean, I'd wait for trade is my suggestion and pick it up later because it's just it's a lot to keep track of. And, and I had to go online and figure out what the reading order was because they just keep dumping out stories and it's confusing. The next thing I read was Batman Three Jokers. And Three Jokers was three issues, nine different covers. Each issue pumped out two Joker covers, a Batman, a Red Hood, or a Batgirl cover depending on the issue that was coming out i feel like this story was meant to be longer it felt short and it's only three issues but so it felt really short parts of it felt rushed i heard recently they're doing a sequel at some point which means that at some point there was intended to be a longer version of the story the art by jason fabok is breathtaking it's beautiful pieces of art i'd love to buy some at some point in my life jeff john's story is interesting it's it's cool but it has some question marks to it that I'm a little confused by. Overall, I, I do enjoy it. It just came out in trade. I would definitely recommend picking up a, a copy of it, especially because it's the holidays. Maybe you can get it you know, cheap on Amazon or something or go to your local comic book shop and get one. It's definitely worth a read, but I feel like there's just stuff missing in the story. All right, gang, now it is my great pleasure to talk to you about some homemade heroes. That's right. I love these custom action figures. So this time around, we have another trio. And first up 
is a bane made by Frank Palumbo of Dix Hills, New York. Frank Palumbo, that just sounds like a name I've heard a million times before. It claims here that it was made from an unnamed Masters of the Universe figure, which is very clear. You can actually see the gauntlets on the character, but they are flesh-colored. But the guy even put a tube going from the back of Bane's head to his arm console thing. So, very nice job on this Bane. He even used a Vengeance of Bane issue as the background. So, nice work there. But it cannot compare to Eric Zorzua of Bremerton, Washington, who made a Kingpin figure from a Cops Big Boss figure. If you guys remember Cops, fighting crime in a future time. That was a situation where you looked at Big Boss and you're like, okay, so that's Kingpin with hair. Now, he didn't have to do much for this, to be fair, but I, I still think it's a pretty obvious and cool choice to make. In fact, so many of these homemade heroes end up being former cops figures. It just makes me think they must have been super cheap and not, so, uh, not sold very well, so people were getting them on clearance at Toys R Us or something. I personally was always a fan as a kid. Finally, the winner of the figure of the month contest is... The Max. Yes, this is by Philip Aha of San Juan Capistrano, okay? But here's the thing that's awesome. This was made from a Thundercats Panthro figure. So that means this guy looked at his Panthro and he said, hmm... Of course, he looks just like the Max. If I put some putty giant white teeth on him and some straps around his little booties, and he actually even took his picture outside on his cul-de-sac, you can see. So there's grass, so it kind of looks like the outback where the Max would go inside his brain, right? But then you see the sidewalk and his neighbor's car up on the lawn, so it's a pretty hilarious picture. But yeah, man, I love these homemade heroes figures every month they surprise us. The last thing I'll just mention here real quick, because this toying around mostly talks about Hot Wheels and Matchbox cars, but it does mention that, interestingly enough, Todd McFarlane is getting in on the Hot Wheels action. A spokesperson for McFarlane says that Mattel will release a miniature die-cast version of the Spawnmobile No. 2, limited to 50,000 in production. This car will also be carrying an unprecedented 19 different coatings of paint. Normal Hot Wheels usually only have five coatings of paint on them. McFarlane is hoping to have some cars to give out at the San Diego Comic-Con in August. So do you guys have one of these old-school Spawnmobile Hot Wheels from McFarlane? That'd be pretty awesome. And not to be outdone, it says that McFarlane has announced plans to have toys made of his characters. Details are sketchy at best, but fans might be interested to know that it would be possible to have Spawn toys. Rob Liefeld is also trying to push his Youngblood characters into the action figure market. Prototypes of the figures have been seen, and while we can't confirm whether or not the actual toys are going to be made, we can tell you the option to do so is being pursued by Liefeld. Well, of course it is. And that is our toying around and homemade heroes section for this episode. Back to you, Michael. Lastly, I just wanted to give a shout out to Mickey for sending me some cool stuff in the mail that Adam and I are going to be talking about on the YouTube channel. And speaking of that, you can check us out on our social media at Wizards Comics on Twitter, at Wizards underscore comics on Instagram, at Wizards Podcast on YouTube, where we've got a ton of new content and videos and cool stuff coming out. 
We have our T Public store where we're selling a bunch of cool shirts and hats and sweatshirts and so on and so forth. You can get all your stuff that you want there to support the show. It's really great. And we love seeing people wear our, our stuff. It's very fun. And, you know, check us out on your favorite podcasting platform. You know, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, you name it. We're out there. You know, take a look and listen to us. Also, you can, if you want to hear more from me, you can check me out at box office 30 which is my other show with my co-host and buddy pete where we talk about movies starting 30 years ago we're just wrapping up the 90s with home alone and dances with wolves we did total recall die hard 2 ghost we've got a whole bunch of movies we've got kindergarten cop coming up next month which is pretty cool and you can also listen to adam on his other show sequel quest where he and jeff and jeremy and a gaggle of guests come on and reimagine or reboot or figure out what would happen to a movie if they had a sequel or a reboot or even a prequel sometimes and it's a lot of fun they really get some creative inventive ideas we're out there we got a lot of cool content every month on the retro network also we have the retro network's holiday special where all of our shows are featured in little segments throughout it's definitely fun to listen and as always thanks so much for checking us out and don't forget to keep your books bagged and boarded This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.